Hello, everybody, and welcome to Crushing Comics, where we're here with This Week in X. It's where Tyler Free and I talk about all of the X-Men comic books out this week, which happens to be the penultimate week of the X of Swords crossover. That means we are going to be talking about X-Force 14, Hellions number six, and Cable issue number six. So fair warning, we are going to go full spoilers. We're going to talk about everything in these issues, everything in the issues that led up to them, and probably some other things in the Marvel Universe and the complete and entire history of X-Men along the way. So you have been duly warned. And with that, let me welcome Tyler and Freya. Tyler, let me ask you, since the theme this week is head-to-head competitions, Mm -hmm. would you rather um, put your pain tolerance on the line, or would you rather put your sick dance moves on the line if you had to choose one of those two competitions in the contest <laughs> the question would be would i want to inflict pain on myself or inflict pain on people watching me dance <laughs> <laughs> so it would be like, i can't uh, move <laughs> so it would be like a torture for Ta- uh, peter and myself is like watch tyler dance how yeah. long we can do it because how, it's like how no, long <laughs> Like, you know, the, 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 the top part will move and then the bottom part will move separately <laughs> and non-rhythmically. So. <laughs> and Freya, for your contest today, would you prefer to be in a contest of how much food you can consume or would you prefer to be in a fashion contest? Oh, it'll always be fashion. Like, you know, I mean, it's not... I am... Okay, I suck at both, but I feel like between... <laughs> Eating and then walking the runway, I can get some moves on. Like I learned some moves from my cat and see how she walks and everything. So I feel like I can, I can probably pass on that. Better. On the catwalk. Yeah, 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 on the catwalk. I don't know what I. Would I'll be better that. than Wolverine. I'll be better than Wolverine. <laughs> I know that. He just owned it. I don't. I don't know which one of the four I would choose out of these four. They're all things that I think I have a particular skill in. It kind of depends on what the eating contest is. Because if it was ice cream, I, there's no one on the planet Earth that can eat more ice cream in a shorter period of time than me. But otherwise, I might choose fashion. Okay, so before we before we get into these issues, we have a mm-hmm. special surprise, surprise from Korea that we yes. I was just surprised by a second ago as we were talking before he came on the air. So continuing from last week's discussion about Joshua Kassara's amazing art in last week's episode, and then he's also the artist in this week's episode. Look what Faria has to show us if you're on visual otherwise tyler can narrate what it is for those of you just listening so the thing is last (laughs) week i was like blown away by josh casara's art in over in seven and i through tyler i got in touch with him (gasps) and i got myself the original art of this amazing oh page <laughs> of the fight between Samoner and Wolverine in the realms, which was the wordless right. page that yeah. was in Wolverine oh, 7. Gosh. Yes, and it With is all like... all the it, different slices of reality yeah. and they were kind we of transforming we, we, as we they Tron, go through. Yes. Yeah, and the chess pieces. Exactly. And, and Minecraft. <laughs> And, and the oh gosh. cave drawing. It's, it's even better in person, and it's also completely inked. So yeah. it's just like missing the color. But to be honest, though, it's so much better to look at because the, all the line drawings are there, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing. You should you should also point out the sneak 
right on top when you write Wolverine. Oh yes, Snick. yes. Every Wolverine, like it says, like Snick next to it yeah. when he's writing it, and this yeah. also comes in like a Marvel-approved page. Yeah. Um, so everything about this is just awesome. Um, I can't got in touch with him. Uh, I think Thursday, and he sent it out. Sorry, Friday. He sent mm-hmm. it out the same day, and it arrived yesterday. I can't believe you so have it already. I yeah. have it already, and then um, not. To just, you know, it, like, you know, he sent me the page. He also sent me this doodle that is like, uh, yep. like, you know. Thank you, card. Uh, thank you, card. for you. Yeah, he, he did a smelly Wolverine for me. I was like, oh, that is Aww. so cute. So, yeah, I mean, I am now the lucky winner or owner of that uh, amazing page. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I, this is probably the most expensive piece of art I went, I own. Wow. I do have a Miss Marvel original art, um, but that wasn't as expensive as this one. So I am kind of like freaking out about it. I actually just looked at it. And then because um, Lady Darkholm was very interested into the art as well. That's I had Free's to, cat, uh, by the way. She's not talking about yes. Mystique. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That's my cat. Um, like you know, so I had to kind of put this away in the closet yeah. so she can't get I get her hand on it. So I am just kind of waiting for the Christmas rush to be over to get it properly framed. Awesome. Yes. Well, what a good what a good reminder that like there are different ways of supporting your favorite Marvel artists and especially if you see their work in a book. I mean, Free is talking about paying premium for this one, but this was probably one of the one or two stunning pages in the book. You can often get in touch with people or figure out who their art dealer is. And if you really love a page, you'd be surprised. Sometimes you can own a piece of one of your favorite comic books for a lot less than you might think. And I'll be I'll be telling you that the amount of details and everything that goes in it, the price was not that much. <laughs> compared like you know what it should have been and yeah. you know so from that point of view i didn't even feel like asking him like oh is that the final prize i did because i feel like that just would be not good <laughs> yeah well look we're gonna do things ever so slightly differently this week even though we want to get right into x-force 14 which is the issue drawn by joss Kassar, so natural tie-in unfortunately we're not going to take that opportunity because X-Force 14 and Cable 6 this week are so tightly bound together in the way that they track all of the end of the contests uh, in Otherworld that Hellions number 6 is kind of its own thing, even though it comes in the middle. So we are actually going to talk about Hellions number 6 first, and then we're going to come back and kind of talk about X-Force 14 and Cable number 6 as their own kind of merged thing. So Hellions, for those of you who have been listening and watching, we were utterly amused, fascinated, delighted by Hellions number five, which is where Sinister took his intrepid team of Hellions through to the other world. He gave up his beautiful plumage to King Jamie, as we've seen repeatedly, and he was trying to take them supposedly to try to get a sword from somebody somewhere to lessen the odds for the Rocco team and improve the odds for the Krakoa team. But we open up this issue uh, not really in that circumstance. You know, they pop out a dry door, which is, of course, where Team Arako is based. They've taken over dry door. But there's really nowhere, nobody there to be found bumming around with swords. They've already gone through their circle to the Citadel and have started the fight. The fight has been ongoing. The team finds out something else entirely, which begs the question, did Sinister ever think they were really going to steal any swords? Tyler, did Sinister ever think they were going to really steal any swords? <laughs> well, it's Sinister. So, <laughs> hell no. <laughs> no. 
And Freya, like, do you do you, do you think he ever really was had? Did he really think they were on that mission ever? No, I mean, I don't know much about Sinister, but even I knew that that was just a ruse. Like, you know, that was not, uh, like, you know. But the thing is, to that point, though, I mean, can I start my rant today now? Like, oh, boy. Sure. Come in hot. No, start <laughs> the rant. Get us started. We're, we're already on a totally different Go schedule ahead. than normal. Just right, go for it. Right. Okay, so, I mean... I was just saying that I was fuming at this issue because I'm like, why on earth I'm not reading about this journey? <laughs> Doesn't you it know? seem more interesting? Yeah, so much more interesting than whatever nonsense we were looking at in the other side of it. <laughs> like, I was just like, Ugh, oh my God. Like, you know, this this week, I mean, last week I was upset and this week I will try to be positive. I feel like the most positive thing about this week was like, oh my God, one more week of this nonsense and they're gonna we're gonna go back to normal schedule. So that's my positivity of the week, you know? <laughs> and then then this kind of shined a little bit better for me because I'm like, okay, at least something is up. Sinister's up to no good and how this is going to kind of um, galvanize in like an upcoming um you know, docs or like X-Men world, like after the crossover, I'm super interested. But the thing is, everything that happened, how every character looks, I'm like, I want to read a whole arc dedicated to that. <laughs> I, I know, I felt that. like there could have been at yeah. least like a middle issue. Look, I get we're in a crossover. Yeah. And for a lot of people, this probably feels like the thing that's off to the side. And it is yeah. off to the side. And I understand that. But to see them kind of wearily pop through this gate Nanny's got like a chip out of her chip, egg. A Havoc's lost an eye as he sometimes does. I mean, they're just really looking rough. And yeah. I just, I'm curious to know what their adventures have been. And while I know that's not the point of this, I think it just goes to show how effective Zeb Wells is in the storytelling that he makes us actually care about what we missed here, even though it's really mm -hmm. clearly non-critical. And also, again, Carmen Carnero on art, like the character models here are just wonderful. The faces are wonderful. Dar David Curiel's colors are yeah. wonderful. And and Tyler, I think you had a note too on the lettering even being wonderful, which we don't always yeah. call out. That's true. I mean, this I, I was pointing out in particular to the sarcasm of the word bubble, and then it just drips down like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's basically, you know, dripping with sarcasm. <laughs> Right, like a visual <laughs> cue other than doing yeah. something with the font that is yeah. dripping with sarcasm. It's clever. Sarcasm. And you don't yeah. see stuff like that too often, really. No, not too often. Not in yeah. Marvel, though. You do see that in DC. Um, oh, you do? And then other, uh, yes, oh. DC and then other like uh, comic publisher. But in Marvel, it's okay. actually very... They use like the uh, font boldness to kind of say that, or like the word being bold mm -hmm. to emphasize on words. Um, but in other... Um, other publishes you kind of do see that so it was kind of nice to see that see that being bleed into this can i nitpick a little bit yes of course. well it's not so much oh, about the course. art it's <laughs> it's just that you know they it started off with like you know arako and then um Dreador gate and that is not the same thing that was in creations because in the map in creations the link the the so-called gate between Dreador and Arako is a rift. So it's Dreador rift, not a Dreador gate. So mm. yeah, so it's a nitpick, but you know, I feel like if you're going to publish something and it is crossover, people are going to notice things like that. And you know, I just, I just hope, I mean, I just kind of like wish that the editors would have paid a little bit more attention to small things like that. I was a little puzzled by that. I was like, is the gate 
a Krakoa gate or is it is it like a an Arako gate with the same kind of biological technology? And I kind of yeah. just breezed by it in my head because I was like, oh, right, right. There's, there's funny things happening here. Yeah. But I was definitely a little puzzled by that. Yeah, so basically I think is is meant to reflect like, you know, the same thing as Krakoan gate, but right. created by Arako. But, you know, it's they name it differently. And um, yeah, so I don't know. But this is the part which I kind of like, Ugh. But, you know, talking That's... about the art, right? Um, do you think that is it looks a little bit rougher than the first Hellions issue that um, uh, Camaro has uh, drawn, or do you think it looks about the same? I think it looks but, like maybe it's a little bit um, meant to have a faster tempo, and and that in mm-hmm. giving it a faster ten- tempo, some of it's just not as glossy. I think the other one yeah. was kind of it went with the joke more. That was mm-hmm. really polished up, and like not to make excuses, maybe Canaro was just in a little bit of a hurry here. But there's definitely yeah. a few places where I felt like it was just meant to emphasize how quick and rough the action was unfolding. Mm-hmm. But I did notice some like a little bit less detail on some faces and bodies. But to Correct. me, the thing that usually mat- matters is like that the action tracks. And I think mm-hmm. in a lot of books like this, especially people are nannies getting cracked as an egg, you know, or yeah. makers getting pulled apart. I think in some action with this big of a team fighting, you would kind of lose the thread. And I was actually remember being really pleasantly surprised on the page turn after that that i could still figure out where everybody was on the battlefield which is i think a really specific skill to have as an artist so even though Mm -hmm. i think it looked a little visually rougher i think the choreography of it actually was outstandingly good yeah i don't know am i am i just a carvin carnero fanboy like can i (laughs) do i think she does no wrong or do you think it was well choreographed no i think i I think it is pretty well choreographed and i think there was uh subtle cues not so much to the action but um for example silk mane um you can see that she's rags and bones they they don't they don't reference it like directly but, but you can th- tell there yeah yeah and you can tell that of course the hair is all down and it's the same thing with wild child as well i mean you can see I a little bit of that. the rib cage so you know it's, it's like oh you know and, and some somewhere along the line i think uh, Psylocke or someone mentioned that their supplies got stolen and and they don't have much food left. So, so yeah, I mean, so in 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 certain things, I think it was really really well done. Well, this my fight that breaks could not out. Oh. No, I, could, just, I was couldn't. just gonna say that. My, no, my eyeballs could not differentiate. You know, I'm not blessed with like you know detailed oriented eyeballs like yours. Which is a curse, by the way. I'm an engineer, so... It is a curse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a curse for you and a curse for us. I think we're all cursed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so let's just talk about this, right? Like, I think something that we kind of occasionally lose sight of, both the three of us and the audience in general, is... Arako is all mutants. Tyler hasn't lost sight of it. Ty- Tyler makes sure to remind us every week. And so it's really, you know, Drydor is where they're kind of passing through to get to Otherworld. So it's not unusual that there's just some mutants hanging out. I think what's unusual is this is the first time we've seen sort of what I would call the rank and file of the mutants from Arako. These are not any special horsemen. They're not people that are kind of associated with the royal family or tending to the land. These are just some some people they left behind to make trouble or who might just be there on their own to make trouble. No, and they I... are not Arakos. They are not Arakis, Arach- though. Oh, what are they? They are Amathians. Okay, but they're from the, the Great Divide. They're, they're yeah. from outside of Otherworld. Yeah. So, but they're, they're from the Amanth side, not Amanth the Arako side. side. Correct. Right. Still mutants, though. And they're like the uh, Hell- Hellions equivalent. They mention, I mean, Tan, which is the leader, 
mentioned, uh, I think it's in the write-up, the data page, mentioned that they are mutant amethians, uh, but it was never defined as in what is a mutant amethian, because amethians are demons, right? Mm. Um, so are these the ones that sort of crossbreed, the, 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 ah. the crazy ones that crossbreed, or are they like natural mutation of the amethians mutants? I mean, that is one thing. And then the other thing, of course, is like this This sort of tracks a little bit with the um, Chimeras because he actually changes their genes and and, and, and modify them and, and sort of enhance them, but in a more vile way, I guess. That's why they call themselves the um, Locus Val. Hmm. Now, I don't, I mean, they're characters, they have a cool data page, they're sketched, they're yeah. drawn very well, but in, in terms of understanding their whole jam and their motivation and their powers, yeah. they're really just here to take apart our, our team, more or less. Yes, definitely. I mean, but now... remember, remember that in, 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 in uh, I think in one of the issues, I can't remember which one, but they were talking about the Val are the ones that, that broke down the Arako's uh, resistance. Yes. So they're definitely so, meant to be feared. Yeah. And very quickly, we lose two of the most charming members of the team here. Nanny's egg gets well and truly cracked in yep. pure Humpty Dumpty fashion. And also, uh, Orphan Maker is just pulled, you know, pulled apart. And eventually, also, Wild Child winds up kind of sacrificing himself, himself to cover the retreat through the gate. Sinister also gets caught and taken apart. But there's another Sinister that will be waiting when we get back. To Krakoa. So the upshot of this battle is only Quanana Psylocke of severely wounded Havoc, Scalp Hunter, and Empath even make it through. And part of that is the payoff of Empath having to relinquish his control of Scalp yes. Hunter resuming their vendetta. So to that point, it's all good and dandy. But the problem is that we haven't even spent enough time for us to even care, or me, actually, to even care about any of this. Like, you know, it just like, because we were just so involved in the sword fighting, which mm -hmm. never happened, you know, we were so involved in like, learning all these things that Tyler just talked about, or all the sword, where the weight of the sword and everything. <laughs> so this was like a thing that we were supposed to care or like, you know, supposed to happen, but there was not no time spent on this for us to care, you know, for us to care about any of this. Like, you know, even that the one look at Quinnan, Quinnan, I keep on wanting to say Quinnan, which is really terrible, but <laughs> Quinnan, 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 uh, the silent check, uh, you yeah. know, just one, she gave one look at the wild child and that is mm -hmm. kind of a little sad, yeah. you know, but yeah. the thing is like that, that, that just like pretty much it or, or the fact that because they are so deplorable that that's all we are supposed to care about. Is that the idea? Well, well I, I, go ahead, yeah, Tyler. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean, I actually do feel a little bit sad when Wild Child was like, you know, I, I'll do my best and, and, and try and help you even though he knows that he's going to die. And, 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 and Quanon was just like, look back with some compassion, you know, for 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 Wild Child, whom I remember in an earlier issue of Hellon, she's like, well, I don't really, I don't really care that he's starting, he's following me around and things like that. 
So, right. like, obviously things have changed a little mm. bit. I, and I feel like if I had that one issue where whatever happened between them, you know, mm. kind of was, like, presented, I would have cared a little bit more. But then, you know, I took, I did took a certain joy about Havoc losing his eye and then losing his hands later on because he's really boring and he shoots all of this. So, <laughs> Priya has it in for the Summers Brothers. Uh, yeah, I, oh, no. all of them. No, I, no, oh, no, I know. Except for the one that the crazy Vulcan. one. Falcon. Yeah. It's a real like Falcon. He's insane. He's insane. Extreme and I like minority there. I've discovered it from the FM <laughs> But you know what's really interesting about I mean, I, I feel that. I, I can't dispute that we had time enough to see them to care about them or not. And it's like, can any of us really say we cared about Nanny and Orphan no. Maker? I mean, they're <laughs> such random characters. It's been more of a gag that they're back than anything mm. else. But I feel like it also has made Nanny like more of a character like an actual character instead of just a running gag. And I feel like yeah. they've really played up um, Orphan Maker as this like actual kid a little bit more in Boy, such a way that yeah. it was a little bit more horrific to see him defeated than I than I've ever felt in the past. But what's really stood out to me is this is a very Suicide Squad sort of setup, right? We've got you know um, Gray Crow, who I maybe have mistakenly said Scalp Hunter, but we're not calling them that anymore. Yeah. We have Gray Crow, um, you know, and Psylocke, who are kind of like the Deadshot and the Harley Quinn, who are probably not gonna die and then there's people of like varying levels of comedy on the cast on the way down havoc is sort of the like what's his name flag who leads the team you know like it's very suicide squad equivalent and part of the fun in suicide squad is they get killed all the darn time now i think what's really interesting is is the wild child sacrifice because that's when like nanny and orphan maker i i felt myself thinking well so what if they get resurrected with personalities from other you you know know other worlds like who's to say they were crazy to begin with but like wild child who has a lot of page time between alpha flight and weapon x and stuff was a moment where i was like oh and and then i realized we were really down just to the core of characters who were from the claremont era and i was like okay this is really intentional actually the thing that zeb wills is doing to us right now he's picking them off to see like how many can get picked off until we actually start caring uh which i thought was really kind of clever and then what what do you think about the 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 way scout hunter basically slash open empaths like tummy oh i cheered out loud i was i was here for it that is going to be that that is a horrible horrible way to die because you don't die immediately because like your guts will be like flowing out and oh my god and well i mean anyway the the four of them did not die in other world no they do make it back to kind of avalon gate central the, they're about to be kind of hunted down and luckily Empath does something about it and so it, I don't know if Empath does he ever come he does come through the gate he did he did so technically technically Psylocke Grey Crow Havoc and Empath made it through the other side and they yeah. will get resurrected with memories but they still die because the yeah. sinister that lost the bet at the beginning of the last Hellions issue is there to basically under the clouds the literal clouds of subterfuge assassinate them all and mm-hmm. take the genetic material that Sinister sent back through, which seems like maybe it was Sinister's goal all yeah. along. It and does look also, like that way. And then also like, yeah, he kind of like, oh my God, my whole team is assassinated. <laughs> I really well, like it. I, okay, so that's one there's of There's been the a terrible attack. There's been a terrible attack. That is like, that last page is the reason that this week was salvageable to me because I'm like, yes, at least something happening that we can look forward to in after, like after this, um, this crossover is over because this needs to be explained. This yeah, needs to be explored. Is, is this, 
I mean, do you feel like this um this manipulative, like calculative sinister is is the is the one sinister that that we sort of knew from the beginning? Like he's truly terrifying in that in that sense, rather than playing up as a joke and creating clones of himself and talking about capes all the time. You know, I come and go on this because I really think I mean I've as I've mentioned, I've read every Mr. Sinister appearance pretty recently. Mm-hmm. And he just went through a shift under Gillen in 2011, and we're never going back. Like, the, yeah. the, the he's always been arch. He's always been, uh, you know, a little bit ironic, even when he was mm-hmm. scary. But I just think comedic sinister is where we are now. I think the thing that's interesting is clearly this gives him a little bit more agency over the thing he was doing all along, whereas in the last yeah. Hellions issue, it kind of felt like he was grasping at straws. But I end this thinking, okay, he's got a plan, and, like, he knows that if any of the four of them make it through the resurrection protocols, they're, they have something to say. He, he didn't kill yeah. them on the other side of the gate. Correct. So like, he's got a very limited amount of time to do something with this genetic material. Mm-hmm. And, and that I think shifts him a little bit more back towards plotting sinister right. from but just if, plain old funny sinister. But the thing is, this is the first time we see him by himself though. So yes. all this time it was an act. It was probably right. an act or probably like, you know, well, whatever he was doing. Because the thing is, like, I personally think that makes him far more scarier than if it was just always plotting all the time. If there was no comedic side of him, because this was the, truly the first time he's by himself. Like, That's there's true. No, so then so he doesn't have to act, which I often find to be like, you know, writers often forget to do that. Mm. But this time around, it was actually done well. Like, you know, there was even like a switch, like he takes a minute, then he's like resets himself and like, oh my God, my team's killed. Like, you know, so I thought that that made it, that made this whole thing so scary. I was like, this is not good. And he's in the council. Well, and we move forward with Hellions pretty much being my most anticipated X-Men book. I mean, it was mm-hmm. nose to nose with the other books that were in my top group, like New Mutants and, and Marauders before this. And I am so ready for more Hellions. But does anybody have anything else they want to talk about on Hellions before we shift over to our big two issues of battles? Initially, I was thinking that, you know, is he... Um, did he get the idea of Chimeras from, from Tan? Or did he have that in mind already? But then he got killed in there. So I right, don't so that know one's if, knowledge is lost, yeah. theoretically. So I don't know if it's lost or are they linked somehow. Mm. Well, and also, I mean, we know that Chimeras did come about in life number nine, but yeah. that was with the benefit of having met up with the horsemen. So yeah, yeah it's kind of interesting. So... The inevitability of Sinister and Apocalypse and their crossover, right? Whether that's mm-hmm. from Sinister's origins to the Age of Apocalypse, to yeah. looking at how things rolled out in Life 9. Like, Sinister, as much as he wants to think he's the self-made man who's controlling so much stuff, he kind of always winds up getting swept along in Apocalypse's wake. Yeah. But even though I think in Life 9, they said that Sinister was under Apocalypse control or something like that. Yeah, and they eventually, I believe, execute him after he yeah. creates Oh, the no, they did not. Revolt. The, 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 um, the, uh, the machines did. Oh. Because... Because I think right, he he's betrayed on the them. Side briefly, yeah, and then he they betrayed were like, them. Oh, this and then is not like, a good Oh no, no then, way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. On to X Force, and we and we're gonna just bleed into Cable. We'll try to demarcate when we've really moved on to Cable in the conversation, but just yeah. assume we're kind of doing them both. So X Force picks up in with magic, quite amusingly, having a similar reaction to all of this. 
than that we are having. And I'm and we're not going to kind of go scene by scene through this, but I just want to start with Magic herself is like, this is BS. I want to fight the honking dinosaur. And yeah. Saturnine finally gives us all what we've all been wanting and gives us the thing we predicted we would see Magic do this whole time, which is burst out of the inside of Pogger Pipe. <laughs> Except that it's, it's not killing the alligator, but just like really, you know, kicking the ass, uh, <laughs> the butt of this this small creature that is con- that is the real Pokemon. Frio, it's been a lot of Tyler and my, me going back and forth like Furbies the past couple of minutes. How are you feeling here at the top of Xbox? She's like rolling her eyes. Oh no! Yes, like you know what what Tyler said. Like it's like oh yeah, I mean I, I was like magic is me. I'm magic. Like it's like we are one person in this. Like it is like how she was saying that what what is going on. I was. This whole two issues, I'm like, okay, what? I could not keep track of who's getting points when. What are the rules? What are, what are we doing here? And uh, I mean, oh, this whole thing was one big who cares. Like, seriously, like one big who cares. Like, I do who, think who, from who a cares? graphic design standpoint, as much as I love Tom Muller's little score boxes, it mm-hmm. needed to show motion in some. I spent a lot of time flipping back and forth to be like, who got that point? So who had what point before? Did, what they both, the did they both get What's... points? Did neither of them get points? It needed to show like a something being scratched off or something yeah. being flipped over or something because yep. it actually wound up, I think, being more confusing yeah. as time went on than it, than it was clever. Thank yeah. God for the last page. Last yeah, but then, data page. But the like, last data know. page is in the last issue of this week's chapter. So you'll be like, oh, you'll true. be like trying to figure out everything until you're like, oh, this chef came up like much earlier so that I don't have to figure this out by myself. Well, you know, I wasn't trying to figure out because I know you would figure it out and tell me. So <laughs> I did not waste any time over there. I just kept on just going by. I, just, I was just mostly upset by the fact that there was no concrete rules. The rules could change at any moment for anyone, for whichever way the Saturday yeah. was feeling. And if I have to listen to one more time, a woman, a very interesting woman, like very beautiful, very powerful, pine after some stupid, unnecessary Brian the human, the human. and doing all of this, <laughs> I'm going to shoot myself. Like, seriously. Like, you know, seriously, you're doing all of this for this idiot? Go pine after Wolverine. Go pine after Cyclops, even. I'll give you that. Like, you're pining but after this. this. That's, a yeah. qu- that's a question that I sort of asked, too. <sighs> so, but my question is more like, you know, here she played up as in, like, I'm pining for this man. But is that really what she's after? Like, is there something more? Like, you know, um, because the Braddocks have been involved in the other world for a long, long time. So is there something unique about the Braddock genetics that she's after? Like, I mean, not like, not like a sinister or something like that, but, you know, but something else. Like, maybe the Braddock has a particular hold over uh, other world. Who knows? But it's, I mean, but I agree. On the pitch itself, it, it does come off like that way. I'm no, but in, in that man. case, in that case, kidnap him, dissect him, take all his <laughs> organs, do whatever it is that you need to do, but stop f- saying that, oh my God, please, Brian. And Brian's like, I'm a married man with this useless girl that we never okay. hear about. Okay. It's like, well, the whole thing was just like, oh, who cares? One Before- big who cares? 
guys. Before we go deep into that race, like any other things that you guys want to talk about, or should we run down like quickly run down the pages? I do think we should kind of just lightning round some of these. Okay, um, sure. I do. I do. So I have two quick notes here. One is. Okay. I do hope that there's something more to this because even in the annals of Excalibur, Excalibur Omnibus Volume 1 out this week, uh, yeah. even I don't know that we've seen the obsession with Brian. Like it's always been there and she always has been obsessed, but it feels mm-hmm. like it's the only dialogue she gets to have right now, which is sort of like twisting me a little. That said, yeah. I think Kasara does a great job of making her not look like Emma Frost. And I really did mm-hmm. appreciate that in this issue. I didn't have that whole, like, Emma, is this Emma? What's going on? She really just looked like her own distinct character, which I really appreciate. Okay. No, now she looks like magic. <laughs> I think that's just how he draws chins. I think he just draws chins in a certain way. But anyway. No, you- because... Because, you know, this time around, I'm like, oh, she doesn't look like Emma Frost. Then there's, like, a page of them, two of them in the same. I'm like, oh, no, now they look like each other. <laughs> All right, here we go. Speed round through, through the contest. We have we have Captain Britain versus uh, War in the dungeons and a paddle, battle of who can bear more pain. War is the winner. Do we think that that is a predictable win for War? Well, C- Cable was involved in that, too. Yeah, he's so. somewhere in the background. Yeah. But he's only Team Cable. If it was old Cable, he could have definitely endured the most. I mean, yeah, because yeah. he's Brian the human. So, of course, Gwar is the winner. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. So, the next one, the the <laughs> contest of boulders, which is rolling is them up or down a hill somehow. Um, it's seen, the, and magic is the only one in the X-Men side. I just, I love the visual gag. The, the wrong Rasputin is in this competition. Let me just say that. <laughs> I just I love the visual gag and I love magic on the panel, but it's just kind of, I mean it was just a gag. It was a gag panel. Yeah, you know? it, is. it could have been Captain Britain again. It could have been yeah. Anyway, like, and it's because unbeaten, only, so she'd figure it out somehow. The only one who was like the other way. <laughs> that made me laugh so. Much. But I was thinking, why can't she just just summon a teleportation disc and then just teleport it the the boulder up to the top of the hill? Maybe she. Tried. Yeah, I thought that too. <laughs> or just use it right, use the momentum, like put the disc, have it go through, and then just yeah, have it. Yeah, and then good cover on top. <laughs> and then roll down and like smack them all. Okay, yeah. so now we have battle underneath the waves between Iska the Unbeaten and the White Sword versus Gorgon. Gorgon, the possibly the most useless one of this crew that you could send underwater. What What is he going to do no. underwater? <laughs> I don't know. And you He's can't blind really though, right? Too. He's blind. No, he's not though, blind. Right? He's not blind. He's not he blindfolded himself. Oh, he blindfolds himself. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, because he he turns he turns anything he sees to to stone. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't they send him for the boulder thing? Okay, that's just. Who, who knows? <laughs> so then, so now, again, by the way, the art on this whole page amazing. Uh, yeah. The next one is the uh, contest Eating of plates. Competition. Red Root the Forest versus Cable versus Brian versus Cipher, and I do think. Of all of the people on both of these sides, I think Brian the human having the biggest appetite does track for me, even though uh, even though Red Root tried to, to to cheat and ruin it all. Yeah, but in the report to Mojo, it says that Krakoa lost, even though yeah, here Krakoa won. Sounds like no, because... it says that they won. Yeah, Be- and they got the point. The, well, yeah, they did. Well, the sky well, is probably not. Reliable, unreliable. Didn't know it. Left early, you know. Left early. Oh, this Left is boring. Early. Oh, yeah. Oh, he the the uh, red root changed everything to fertilizer. So red root is gonna win. I'm gonna just gonna walk away. Yeah, that's what happens exactly. when you leave these things before the final count. So the next one is Lord of the Dance, Bay the Blood Moon, and War versus Cipher and Wolverine. I 
I I don't know how how Cipher loses this. He's too adorable. I, I no think idea. Cipher should have been the winner here. <laughs> and he did maybe, so surprisingly well. By, supposedly. Yeah. Maybe maybe Bay won because she did a she did a robotic dance that won. Does it look like she's kind of doing the robot? Yeah, there? it kind of looks like there's like a yeah. Uh, although I do love, I hope this panel was purely there for the gag on the Mojo data page of Mojo saying that there could be a spinoff, like the implication that there's going to yes. be Dancing with the Stars Mojo World. I I hope that this was purely for that joke I, and that there was no other reason for it being there. I think so, half of this was because of that one data page. So I do you think could that. Just, you could just get there. That's true. So then we have a wonderfully uh, t- tangled labyrinth. labyrinth escape, Red Root and Pogger Pog versus Captain Avalon. Brian the Human and Storm very very Bowie Labyrinth very MC Escher and yeah. uh, and Araka wins here too uh, I guess if Magic had been there she could have won but I can believe that Red Root has some you know you kind of see in the art yeah. Red Root's like trailing their um, the roots and things around the labyrinth over, yeah. so that's probably how they figured it out so that's cute I like when they're clever you know when there's like yeah. a reason I'm into it um Okay, moving on. Now there's a jigsaw battle uh, between Death and War and Gorgon and Magic, and Krakoa does come up on top here, even though yeah. Gorgon theoretically is blindfolded. Cannot see. He can't see anything. <laughs> but the picture is like, it's a given. It's a, it's, it's a green lagoon. And, you know, it's, it's that splash page in issue 9. Oh, I was so, trying to make it out. I couldn't figure yeah. it out. So so magic would have won because I think magic was there or something yeah. like that. So she's like, "Oh, I knew what's what's happening. I recognize it's the perfect everyone." Perfect me. Me and all of my friends were tested before going to this private island, right? And it's the yeah. it's the green lagoon. Okay, so now we come to the one that actually has a little bit of a connection to last week, which is the contest of Couture between Redwood, the Forest, and War, and Storm and Wolverine. And it makes the point that typically Storm could not possibly be beaten. In a fat, I mean, it's Storm, but yeah. she's still drunk and she's at a serious disadvantage throughout this issue because of the drinking that she did with Wolverine previously. And this is uh, Saturnine continuing to take her toll on yeah. them for plotting to kill her because Saturnine liked it as little as Freya did. <laughs> and Wolverine was like in bondage uh... gears. Oh she's like, have like, you know, wrap around stuff. <laughs> Walk that one r- runway, Wolverine. Do it. Okay. Yeah. So now, now we come to the Blightspoke navigation. Iska the Unbeaten versus Cable and Magic. I would have actually liked to spend a page on this because ca- the Cable and Magic dynamic has been really fun. And they were the mm-hmm. ones that were in the dinner. Testing like Iska. going back and forth with Iska. So it feels like kind of like, why not pay that off here? Yeah. It, it just felt yeah. weird. I was I the, On the page turn, I kind of assumed that since we were still adjacent to blight spoke in the crooked market mm-hmm. that it was gonna mm-hmm. like pay off the gag but then it didn't no no i, was sad. I mean his car was did not even appear in the panel yeah although beautiful panel with all the it planets is. and stuff in the background Kasara yeah. just, just should do a blight spoke book i think is what we're coming away <laughs> well to be fair this. is this done by him or is this done by um the graphics uh the special effects yeah, a lot of a lot of times when people do space effects, this is a fun thing about comic books. Anything that has like nebula or space glow and stuff, a lot of times mm-hmm. the colorist handles that almost entirely. Yeah, Freya could refer to her original page and tell us if Kasara uh, inked in specific sky effects in the background or if it was the work of a colorist. I, I will oh. check that and report back. She will report okay. back. So now we come to really. What we were... 
the one that's that's the big one here, which is <laughs> the foot race between Red Root, sure. who's apparently old and slow. I, I kind of had trouble understanding what the issue yeah. was here. And Brian, who's like, as Captain Britain, I would think well, this isn't a problem. But there's the added kind of unspoken rule of don't break anything or else you bought it. Yep. And so um, Red Root thinks that they've won, but they did some shattering of stuff along the way. But Brian also did some shattering of stuff yeah. along the way. This to me was pretty fun, especially because the Furies come into it. It looked great. It gave us a little bit of room. I, I enjoyed this. Yeah. I mean, the... the... The, the 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 thing that I, I Im- immediately came into my mind was the tortoise and the hare race. <laughs> so where, where I was like, being fast does not mean you will win. And then Redo is just like strolling along slowly. And, and you know, um, she won. But um, the other thing I kind of noted was that is Brian holding a piece of uh, Betsy in her hand in the beginning? Let's... Go computer I... enhance. <laughs> it's like a purple I, rose. I think he is. He is for sure. Right? Because then Saturnine even says, I know you're sad. But yeah. Then, yeah. Good catch, Tyler. I, by the way, love this new Captain Britain as Captain Avalon costume. Total, totally yeah. dig it. Well, I, I, how, how long is he going to stay as Captain Avalon? I think he's going to be like Captain, you know, uh, coins or the the Knight of Pentacles is, is 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 like he has to repay everything that he broke. Even though you know, to be fair, the furries did some damage too. So furies. I'm sorry. Furies. I really try not to to interpret anybody's pronunciation furies. here. But furies and furries is an important difference to, difference to keep in mind. Furies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So now we come to the contest of letters. Uh, right? That's next, where... Oh, and also the rumination the... endurance, where no, Wolverine... don't forget, don't forget the forgotten? data page in the middle. The well, I mean, we've Mars. kind of been talking about it, but what do you think? So you're newer to this whole Mojoverse stuff. Like, does the joke play for you just based on having read um, X-Factor? Because that's... I think that's your only exposure to Mojoverse, right? No, I mean, I read, like, on and off something about Mojoverse maybe before. X-Fact, the old X-Factor? Like, Peter Ecsta- David X-Factor, ecstatics. maybe? Oh, maybe an Ecstatics. ecstatics. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ecstatics. Yeah, that's a book I read. Um, <clears throat> but the thing is, like, oh, no, I mean, one of the ones that I really made me laugh, and, you know, it just because this is, like, a saddest joke in, like, entertainment industry about how women are treated, uh, because, you know, uh, Mojo says that in our version of this, the show, let's have magic lose both times and become Hogga Park's love interest afterwards. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Just this getting is that exact- free commentary right on the page there. <laughs> Like, you know, this is exactly how Hollywood, like, you know, uses women, thinks about women and all of that. So it was like it tracked, it tracked very much from that point of view. Realism achieved. But, you know, so that's the only thing that I wanted to talk about. And then everything else is just whatever. Like, well, I mean, it also turns out that the spy, the the spy for for uh, Major Domo, which is like Quadius Core, is that Minotto looking thing, looking creature. Um, that appear in the free comic book uh, issue and also in Creations, which was like reprinted there. And there's we um, love when you plan ahead. Yeah. And then there's this part where um, Mojo said, uh, the the, the Mojo's comment on Wolverine, um, that sounds a lot like one of the Claremont storyline that he was planning to write before he Mm. resigned from Uncanny X-Men. 
that's actually really perceptive. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I was just also talking about like historical accuracy. I'm like, yeah, all the X-Men fan rejoiced at that. (laughs) (laughs) Just those two words side by side. (laughs) Like, you know, like every X-Men fan rejoiced. Yeah, because I I do, I distinctively remember after he left and they had an interview in the Wizard magazine. Yeah. um, Claremont said something like, you know, um, he's going to make Wolverine a, a villain. And there's actually, I, I wish I knew the URL off the top of my head, but there's an amazing blog out there that it's called like the Forgotten Claremont or the Hidden Claremont or something that's compiled all of the statements he's made in interviews and stuff about what he was planning to do. Because he was originally planning to stay until Uncanny X-Men 300 that has mm-hmm. like all of his plots. And some of the plots kind of got mined for pieces and used. Some of them he later would use in X-Men Forever. Yeah. And then some of them just kind of never got used. And it's, it's really interesting stuff. So... Now, after the page, after that data page, we have kind of this side-by-side of one that's amusing, one that's sad. Um, on the one side, we have the contest of letters, which is the spelling contest where Magic hilariously <laughs> loses because she spells her name as Magic with a K when we were looking for Magic with a C or a C and a K. I don't know how Doug, who speaks every language, loses a spelling contest. Maybe he speaks languages fluently, but he's bad at spelling. I don't know how his power applies there. <laughs> then on the other side, we have the tragic half, where Freya, who's the big fan of Jason Aaron's Wolverine here, if Wolverine has to look at everybody he killed, that includes all of his children. Awesome. Every, everyone. Awesome. Yeah, he killed all of them. I, I don't know whether it was because... Uh, the children that made him cry or just like you know just in general like the sheer volume of it and the fact that he's still has some like you know decency left (laughs) compared to the other guy who has like you know who doesn't necessarily have any kind of connection to the people he's killing so and he he brings them back if he feels like it yeah Right, right. And then, by the way, I do want to say that one of the ugliest art I've ever seen is also in this page, and that comes from Josh Kazara, which was like the last panel of how Magic's eyes and her look. <laughs> that is so ugly. Oh my god. I, I kind of like how believe... he draws her like a little bug eyed. I, I don't know. There's something about it I kind of dig. <laughs> no, no, no. That's like, that looked like she was punched in the other eye. Oh, uh, yeah, the closed eyes. Just, you know what? It really just, looks uh, like the it, art on um, Something is Killing the Children from Boom Studios. Uh, I forget the name I of the know. artist. It's a James Tiny book, but it looks exactly like that. And the main character is this younger woman with blonde hair. And it actually, I had this moment of like, what book am I reading? Great book. One of my favorite books of 2020, if you haven't read it. Fantastic. Okay. I'll, I'll check that out. But the thing is, that I was like, I was not interested in They that might be too book. bug-eyed for you, though. Uh, based on that so look we're gonna just fly past these next two there's resisting temptation and gorgon's ready to strip down and 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 give the sirens a big old hug and then we have but to what kill sirens him. i don't see sirens i only see like two rocks there well so, okay. it was the we, we gotta give the panels to what counts which is an adorable kitten later on the page oh, which captain God. avalon slash britain refuses to kill and of course war is, is just gonna the drop human. the kim and kitten right into her little flaming head and that's gonna be it for the so, kitten yeah for yeah brian the human saved the kitten what do you think i mean no he didn't save it he was just like you know anyone could do that anyone would do that i mean look at this kitten how adorable it is and it even goes meow 
I mean, you know, I have a black cat, so I mean, this was like, so I actually saw this on Josh Casara's uh, Twitter before I read it. I was like, yeah. he was like, oh, the new champion. Um, I was like, what is this going you to drew be? My so cat? Is now going to, yeah, you drew my cat, and the sword is now going to be ten out of ten. And then it was about like, oh, kill the kitten. I'm like, how dare you? How dare you? I mean, that kitten better be alive. Like, I mean, it. No, no. Well, I no, Rocco got the point. I mean, it's maybe. And also, I think stopped. it is. It's with Merlin. So yes. you don't know what Merlin is up to in yeah. his dungeon. Oh, well, maybe he's like I don't know. Maybe he's torturing people by by having the kitten, but the people can't touch and cuddle the kitten. That's how he's torturing people. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just I'm trying to be hopeful here, but oh god. Okay. All right. So now let's get to the other main event here, which is Storm finally having her face off here against mm -hmm. uh, Death. Death. And Storm's still a little bit drunk, still doesn't have her powers, and we're in the world that I personally found really interesting here, which is the kind of vampire world, and, uh, and they're meant to have a duel. And mm -hmm. I'll turn it over to the two of you about what you thought about Storm's climactic duel with Death here. Freya? I mean, it was pretty well, like, you know, very storm-like, I thought, you know, like, it was just like, even up without her power, even without her, um, like, you know, without her, um, like, being a little bit um, under the influence of Trump. alcohol, yeah. uh, she, she still kind of got stuff done. But then also to that point, I feel like she's like, kind of like, I've had it. And that's why, you know, she was like, kind of okay with just the killing. So you know, so okay with it, or is it the, maybe it's not a human or a mutant, like, or like, you know, she doesn't have any connection to this. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's one of the things I was like, is that, like, would she, is she being so ferocious that is a little out of character, or how is that, how, how am I supposed to read that? Well, if I can put in a plug for our other show, our epic X-Men yeah. reread, we're starting out reading Claremont from the start, and we're a few issues into it now, and, um, Freya will definitely have some fun, I think, reading Storm's development from Uncanny X-Men, mm -hmm. kind of like 150 through 220, because while she's not a heartless killer, it has been established that when it comes down to it, Storm will kill in a fair fight, which is, I think, why it felt so discordant that she potentially plotted with Wolverine to assassinate Saturnine before. That didn't feel very Storm. Yep. To me, this felt very, it's very Storm. storm. And it tracks, it, I mean, it really echoes like two battles that she had before. And um, we will get to there, um, hopefully, in our <laughs> reread. Um, so I wouldn't spoil anything for you, Farika. But um, yeah, I mean, this calls back two different battles for, uh, for me. Like one, you know, um, with her being, you know, uh, well, I I'm not going to say anything. But basically, you know, there's two different things here that echoes two different fights that she had. Um, and then also this is this was pure competence porn so i was i was very much into it it's like you know it's like it didn't matter she didn't have her power it didn't matter she was under the influence of alcohol she was she still was like effectively took this you know other, and part, other party down i agree Not only that. that fed it to the zombies i'm like yeah <laughs> and and this actually makes the sword retrieval worth it it's the because, only one so far that has made the sword retrieval worth it for me. Yep. Right. Because the sword comes into a major play here in her win. 
Yeah, she mm-hmm. shatters Death's sword, which was like, I had yeah. to do. I was like, did I did a double take? Like, did she really break his sword? It just felt like a cool yeah. payoff. And it I was is. like, there's that vibranium sword coming through. Yeah. Like, it really is unbreakable. Off. Yeah, it's unbreakable. That's what she says, right? Yeah, and yeah, and I mean, I thought that was really, really well done, and um, it makes sense. But the other, the the other question I have is this: the card that Storm has was death. Mm. I don't think it has ever been established that if she defeats death, she becomes the new death, right? right? Is she death now? Yeah. Or is and then there's another panel of like death nails kind of like pricking her her hand when he when he try and bring her up. I don't know if it's just the art or if that has any significance. Hmm. Well, so that now we have. So now we have like what storm the teacher storm the thief storm the uh, the goddess storm the mum storm the like you know now we have storm the death. My God, this girl she has taken so many roles. I just she... if we're gonna do the storm as death, I just need them to have Black Panther. Like the, like just give me a storm and Black Panther one shot by Tanahisi Coates, where we get to see like just let me have it, please, please mm-hmm. give me this one thing. If Storm is gonna be death, but that wraps up X Force, and now we're on to Cable. Now there's a few marquee matches in Cable, but before we get there, we get a scene of a very uh, abbreviated abbreviated version of the Council because very few of them are there. Some of them are part of this battle. Some of them are presumably elsewhere doing who knows what. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sinister kind of continues here from the end of Hellion. Hellions and is trying to spur them into action while Kate and Emma and Shaw are kind of just sitting around uh, along with a few other folks here. The council doesn't seem like they're being particularly effective other than Jean, who's like single-handedly maintaining the link to Otherworld. Thoughts on this council scene? First question is like, do they just sit around there all day? Like, is this, like, what are they doing? Like, what, 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 what is going on there? They're just sitting around. Well, maybe not because you know, uh, Nightcrawler did like buff in right, so Nightcrawler was doing something else. Um, but you know, I I, I mean, I think the the thing that I was um paying attention to was like, oh, only one fraction of the Quiet Council is fully present; the mm. rest of it has people missing. And. And um, the other thing also that sort of um, <laughs> made me laugh a little was both Sinister and Emma dumping on <laughs> Kitty's choice or Kate's choice of costume because yeah, <laughs> we we will get to that in a reread, and you'll know why. Well, the only so to be clear, the only truly missing people are the people who are involved in the actual battle, which is Apocalypse and Storm and. Uh, Sinister, who's just come back, and then Jean, who's doing yeah. some sort of uh, sub uh, subterfuge and observations here. Yeah. So Sinister is, you know, he, it's interesting because he's playing a couple of different notes here. He just got everything he wanted, kind of, in Hellions, but now he's also playing this note of, like, we got to shut this down while we can, which I don't think is actually a really good plan, nor does he really know what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely this theme of like sinister rising, which continues from Hellions and that like maybe this next little period is going to involve Sinister's kind of counterinsurgency, even though he's already on the council. Because he's not being, of all of them, including Mystique, I think Sinister's the one who's like playing them the most right now. Yeah. And he has something which I think none of the people know what he has. 
um, which is which unfortunately made me go back and look at Fallen Angels again, because one of the line that um, he you know Sinister spoke to uh, Psylocke before handing Psylocke that genetic material box in um, in Arako is that you know you keep this safe while I keep your thing safe. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember what it was, but when I went back and take a look, it was the um, a piece of uh, Epoth that is embedded in the machine. So um, and I think that and that is the one thing that that um, uh, Sinister was keeping f- uh, on behalf of um, Psylocke. Mm. I think the actual word wording used was a piece of Epoth echo in Psylocke's mind. mind. And it's this little piece of machinery in the drawing. So. See, kids, Fallen Angels might turn out to be relevant after all. <laughs> so uh, now we get to Cable versus Bay the Blood Moon. And Kate, this is young teen Cable, Babel, as some of us call him. And it seems like he actually has the upper hand at a point, but he just can't go through with it. And But then before he's killed, Doug intervenes and kind of stays Bade's executioner blade. And Saturnine's point is like, you still lost because you lost something valuable, which was his belief in himself that he had this killer instinct. And it leads to this great moment of him kind of just kind of crying out for his mom and dad in yeah. Gene and Cyclops, which was- And crying. Um, yeah, and actually crying. Uh, Freya, what did you think about this little family vignette here? I don't know much about Cable to actually know any of this, like, you know, to understand where he was coming from and stuff, because I honestly thought that he was doing the right thing that is very X-Men-like by not Mm -hmm. killing new wife of his friend, uh, Cypher, uh, or Doug. Um, And so that's one of the reasons I was not, I was like, okay, so how is that kind of comes into him losing his killer instant. I don't know. I mean, couldn't that both two things can be true? Well, I think it can be can be true, but um, for me, my takeaway is more like this is the first time I think uh, young Cable regrets killing uh, old Cable, which he had so far been very certain that that was the right thing to do. Mm. Um, so to me, I think his his journey of learning which is which is what his card is the fool is that his realization that whatever he has done before may not be the absolute right thing to do i i our normal life like normal life (laughs) every one of us learn that (laughs) like you know like you know we as young you are dumb and everything you do are dumb (laughs) well i mean i think it's it's a really good point that Tyler brings up that it's not only an interesting beat for Cable, but it's an interesting beat for him as the fool, right? The fool's often on a precipice of deciding something. And if we're really good, and he actually makes a great comment in the ensuing conversation that like, maybe it would have been better to have the other guy, you know, maybe it would have been better to have the, the old man version of him mm-hmm. to do it. But maybe this is the moment that Cable actually fundamentally changes, you know? Like, it, maybe this is the precipice he was on, and he could have just won that fight outright. But in in losing the fight, maybe that's what matters, which I feel like I'm just re-saying what Tyler said. But it, it just worked for me. I think the yeah. balance of the tarot card as the hint 
and the moment of how shattered he feels, but like how uncable like that is together yeah. gave me a moment that I was like, hmm, well, this is a cable issue. And we have been saying he's been underused he, right. l- w- way to make it like really count for him for a moment here. So the thing is, if you think the older cable would actually make the like, you know, take the opportunity. Oh, a hundred out of a hundred yep. times the old cable uh-huh. would take the opportunity. Yeah. With okay, that, yeah, so, and then kill the next person and the next person. I mean, at this point, yeah. at this point, right, should we mention how wonderful Nodosat is? <sighs> he should be the only person who can legally draw Jean Grey. I know I know, every right? time. But like, I want to pass a bylaw here on Crushing Comics <laughs> that we will only from this point forward accept Jean Grey drawn by Noto. But again, this is that slightly tighter Noto, especially in the faces. Mm-hmm. And we thought maybe it was just because of that sci-fi arc um yeah. you know was before but th- th- um but then he actually drew kind of tight in the last issue that we saw him draw last week and he's drawn kind of tight here and it's just i mean i love him i just love him yeah i agree completely I feel agree. i'm running running out of ways to say it we've had three no issues <laughs> like four weeks he's just spectacular. i know yeah but then it ends that sequence with gene taking control here a kiss between gene and cyclops that to me was very reminiscent of their kiss in uncanny x-men 137 and then Gene, let's go fix it. Is Gene going to come through and be the hero of the whole crossover for me, one of the top Gene fans in the world? Quite possibly. Well, there's also <laughs> this other panel, which is a little bit strange because, um, well, two panels, right? One is Professor X says, Gene is ignoring me. And then the other <laughs> thing is like, Gene has this <clears throat> this pain. And then Cyclops asking her, is, uh, is it Charles again? Jean did not reply him. So is it really because of Charles or is she doing something else or influenced by something else? Well, because there was that moment where she stared into the weird blackness and that cable issue that came before this of all the stuff happening in space where it's like, is she right? Is she preventing other people from eavesdropping or is she containing something within herself? I'm just ready, man. If if I get Jean as a main character in cable, I don't care what book it is. I just want Jean (laughs) doing cool, interesting stuff. She could be the bad guy, the good guy. I don't care. I don't have a lot only of thing, No, only no, I have one provision. The word Phoenix cannot appear around no. Gene. Like, Luckily Jason but, Aaron has that on lock right now yeah. on Avengers. Like, the Phoenix oh, is happening thanks. elsewhere. And Gene is already like, for not that. my problem. Yeah. 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 yeah, thank God for that. Because you know, as long as that's not happening, I am ready for it. I'm ready for something different. But the thing is also I I thought that it was very funny that um the the psychic connection works like a phone. Like, it's like, oh, <laughs> I'm busy right now. Call later. Like, you know? And also, like, Professor X continuing on from his Clarendon days, which now I can say that just bumping into people's head, like, hey, are you hey, up? Gene, Gene, Gene. Gene, you up? Like, you know, which is not the best thing in the world. And so then, he's still and continuing that... on. Well, I, I really want him to do something to Stachinai, and Stachinai's like, snap her fingers and like the whole thing get cut off <laughs> as she does with cable's surreptitious connection to gene from this exactly whole time. so now we get a penultimate fight here which is between the uh good old white sword and gorgon and this kind of feels like what we this feels like what we came here for Me, mm. very similar exactly. to wolverine versus summoner it's brutal there's a clear cost and it's even though Gorgon's probably the character we care potentially the least about out of these nine X-Men, it hurts to see Gorgon go down, even after yeah. evening the score by killing a number of the 100 here. 
The only complaint, or maybe it's not a complaint, maybe it was intentional. Did Gorgon basically just let White Sword stab him? I, right at the end. At the end. I think I kind of saw it almost as an echo of um, Hickman's moment with Apocalypse. And was it a younger Guthrie back in X-Men 7 in The Crucible? Yeah. Where it's like, you know, and he says, I walk my own path. You're not going to impose your will over me. And then to see that, it, it visually looks really, really similar to that moment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was meant to kind of echo like the die on your feet quality of that. But maybe that was just me. Got it. So the only reason I, I was kind of like the fight was done awesome. And then this was actually like what we have been promised since like the whole crossover, the X of Swords. This is actually a sword fight and all of that. But also at the same time, we have him potentially dying, the least cared about X-Men in the right. whole team. Isn't that like a like a cheating? Like, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's still three more issues left. I don't know what kind of going to happen. But it's one of, still one of those things like, who cares if Gargan goes away and then comes back as whoever? Like, we don't know Gargan, well, the character. So who cares? We also have an out here. Basically, White Salt could bring him back as himself. Yeah, that's true. It wasn't lost oh, on yeah, me. Oh, yeah, that too. I just think yeah. that the whole, like, Otherworld re- Resurrection mix-up plot, it's its a really interesting gun on the mantle in the first act, right? And it's been looming yeah. over everything. We keep thinking, this is the time. This is the time. And even with Betsy, we don't know that she's dead. So, so, so has it happened yet? But there's, like, no... And, of course, some of the Hellions had it happen to them. But, again, yeah. this core cast that we were so worried about... Still not a thing for them. So I just think that, you know, there's three issues left. The only thing that's teased as being done, as being left here is kind of this, like, tiebreaker match between Annihilation and Apocalypse. But they're mm-hmm. surely not going to be sword fighting, let's hope, across three issues next week. So they're gonna I still out feel like some, somebody's going to die. Is it going to be Apocalypse? Is it, in fact, we're going to just still feel like that's looming as a plot point over us. But and we have three whole is issues to see it come to fruition. Mm-hmm. But my problem is it's such a dumb plot point. That's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, what does it mean if they're going to come back as someone else? Like, because X-Men has, all, all these characters have gone through so many iterations. Every char- every time a new writer comes in, it's literally a rebirth or literally doing something different that you can kind of connect back to. So what are we going to achieve from that? Like, I just don't understand the point or what is it that the writer is trying to say. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's one of the reasons. And I think it's like a more bigger commentary on how um, comic book works. Like, it's just a constant reboot. So, who cares? That, well, that's my point. Like, it's, just, it's like a double point. Like, in the, first of all, no one important is dying. And second of all, if someone important does die, okay, so what? Like, you know, they're just like, and the thing, we know that by, when Hickman leaves and the next guy or guy or gal or whoever comes <laughs> around, you know, it's just going to start over again. So, okay. I, I don't know. I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm just, I, just, I was just kind of more um, upset about all of this unnecessarily, to be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not. It's not so much of like writers not paying attention to continuity here. Here, you know, the the person being brought back may not have the same relationship with um with any of the other characters that has you know that that has been established, 
right? So say for example, if um, let's use someone that you know pretty well, um, pick a character that you know very well, Quinton Quill, for yeah. example, he dies in Otherworld and he comes back not as an asshole, but as a really compassionate, pink hair, cute boy. Like, you know, that that is not a matter of like, you know, a writer coming on and, and, and doing something weird with the character and not caring about continuity. It is an actual change. Right. But the thing is, what to my point, there will be another story 10 years down the line, I can guarantee you. It's like, oh, wait, we found Quentin Quare's original soul in this little rock that we went and to this other timeline <laughs> to find. And now he's back. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, I, I think, I think it's more of a commentary of like how, like, you know, Marvel continuity have nothing matters, like nothing actually sticks that I am talking about rather than this actual gimmick. Like this, this gimmick will well, you know, be nothing think, because yeah. it will be reversed. I think that, I think that you can choose to be cynical about all different parts of comic books, right? Like they're, they're a trope based medium, especially from Marvel and DC. And it's relatively rare to get something that really breaks ground from Marvel and DC, which is part of why people were excited for Hickman on X-Men and part of why people love Al Ewing on Immortal Hulk, right? When Marvel or DC manages to do something groundbreaking on a book, it's cool. But you have to kind of decide how much of that cynicism is worth engaging with and how much of it is just inherent to the medium that we're reading, right? It's like saying that an episodic television show will have cliffhangers. Like, oh, I wish it didn't have cliffhangers. Well, it's an episodic TV show. And I know you know that, but I'm just trying to explore the the kind of metatextual aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I get kind of annoyed with like whimsical stuff. I kind of like plot that moves. But that's just, that's me like fighting against the fact that comics like are inherently a whimsical medium a lot of the time. And it can't mm -hmm. Oh, it's not always for adults and it's not always meant to be, you know, this dense story in the same way that like we could get frustrated about any character death. We could get frustrated about any character consequences because they're so um, reversible. But at the same time, like that's what comics is. It's a reversible medium. No matter what anybody says is permanent, there's never been anything permanent except for Uncle Ben so far and may he stay dead. So it's kind of mm. like, do we get something interesting out of it along the way? And I try to look at the whimsical stuff that way too. And I think you saw me do that in this episode. Like, well, at least the art was good. At least it was a good gag. And so I just really, the, the way I feel about it is I'm holding that cynicism at bay that I feel you feeling and I'm feeling too. Because I'm like, but if something interesting happens because of it, even if it gets reversed 10 issues after this, it will have been worth all of this. But if it just misfires or if it just gets fixed an issue later because Gene bibbity boppity boos their backup back into their head, then I'm going to be retroactively yeah. angry. And it makes me think back in Excalibur 75 when, you know, Brian comes back from the time stream and we lose Rachel to the time stream, which at the time was, spoilers for you, um, which at the time was crushing to me because I love Rachel Summers and Brian came back wrong and you were like, <gasps> Rachel sacrificed herself for Brian to come back wrong? And like this, and it played out for a while and I remember every month just have, feeling so conflicted, like how dare they get rid of this character? I love to bring you back a character that's messed up. And like, I still can I still have that feeling like in my stomach today and if they can make me feel like that with this then it will have been worth it even if somebody reverses it a few issues later but if I don't get that feeling then I'm going to come back and say what was the point right and and to, to be maybe I'm just like 
to being angry ahead of time and then you know maybe next week i'll think a complete different thing because i don't know what's gonna happen but the thing is like if it's like yeah sacrifice that actually matters and makes sense then i completely agree but if it's like oh yeah it's just gonna be another version okay like you know a character can be another version for a while and we know that that's gonna get reversed so what are we getting i don't know and you know and you're 100 right like you know it is it is a little bit of a trophy but we'll have to see how it plays out mm -hmm. so talk I about mean, seeing how it's, oh go ahead tyler before i wrap oh no go ahead i was, I was, say, I was <laughs> no i was going to say I was going to say before we end this episode, which has ran on pretty long, um, I just want to sort of refer back to uh, one of the very first card that we saw, um, which is, you know, which was the, um, the Four of Wands card. The caption actually says something like, a family that has been fighting for eons has one final confrontation before they rest over the ashes of the defeated. And then the third caption that they say that they have built a hard home and one must dwell within like here you know when you first read it the one could be like you know as a as a as a reference to like you know in general the arako has to dwell in the heart heart realm but what if they literally mean one as in like apocalypse or genesis has to dwell within within it because we are we are we are fast approaching the final the so-called final um, fight here right so um yeah just want to sort of like point out maybe maybe the hint has been there all along and mm. you know we'll know the result of it and it um, feels like the tarot card stuff w came early like the tarot card stuff has felt very consequential. They've been paid off really well. So mm -hmm. of all the things in the plot, like it feels like they were probably part of the central conception of how this was all. I mean, it's called X of Swords. Uh, yes. So so maybe, you know, maybe the payoff of the tarot cards, much as it was here with Cable and also with Doug and also with Storm, is going to mm -hmm. actually be a good payoff. So let's just mm -hmm. go final round here. This is our last chance to make a comment about this thing before we read the end of it next week. Yeah. So... Tyler, and then Faria, and then I'll wrap it up. What are our feelings going into the final week here? My my main complaint, I think, um, someone has made it on uh, has has made the same similar comment on the uh, on 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 one of our videos is that it's a problem with pacing. Yeah, you padded a lot of things in the first half of this crossover, and then this second half felt a little bit rushed, a little bit squeezed, and so the sub the subversive nature of, of this whole event did not quite hit the mark because I'm I'm all for being, you know, my expectation being subverted. But here it just felt kind of like um off. There wasn't enough of a setup, even though we had such a long sword quest um section, because it only happens in the beginning of creations or the two prelude issues. Like there wasn't a setup that went further back. There wasn't something that has been seeded for a long time. And to be honest, a lot of these characters we have we don't really know them. Even on the hero sides, you know, like Brian, like for someone who just jumped onto House of X and uh X-Men in House of X and Powers of Ten, they do not know Brian too well. Mm. I'm right? raising my and hand over here. Yeah, Gorgon has basically appeared in a couple of panels. Um, yeah, you have and, to have been reading Hickman, really, to know yeah. who Gorgon is. So not if you have not had that history, 
you wouldn't feel a lot for some of these events that that have been happening. Yeah, Freya. And I read. I know. I and I read uh, Secret Warriors. I read all of Gargan stuff, and I still didn't care. Um, the 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 one the one thing I want to mention is like final confrontation is between uh, Genesis and Apocalypse. Genesis is not on their team, so this this whole thing is disqualifying. <laughs> I personally think because she was not in the Arako team, so why is she fighting in the end? And I knew that this was gonna happen. Wait, she's, she's on the team as was. annihilation. As annihilation, yeah. is that she was part team? of the Gold, champions? Golden Mask version of her is yeah. on the team. Oh, in that case, disregard everything I said. That's one of the reason I don't bring receipt. You guys bring receipt uh but the thing is like you know i kind of knew that this was all is all heading towards that so i was like yeah okay sure so that's where i'm i am at right now i'm like i i need this to be over next week so we can move on to whatever things sinister is up to the fact that kate has killed shaw on her knuckle and then constantly wearing gloves even in uh cable issues um whatever quite council gets up to what is like beast up to in x-force um i'm i'm all for going back to those and forget this mm. whole x of swords actually ever happened <laughs> i don't know i don't you know, know unless I, like I th- something happens next three issues and blows my mind I think that comment's really in line with kind of where I am here. Look, I'm, I'm trying to get away from always having to, like, approach n- comics from negative sentiment. It's like this thing that we all really love. We're talking about it over an hour a week. We're all on, you know, Twitter and social media, other places talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, read the ones that you like, be critical of the ones that you don't like, but just try to find some joy in it. And if you can't find some joy in it, like, why? And so I've been telling myself that a lot as I've been reading this because it's actually had a lot of joy to be found, especially in the artwork. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel like the story is, like, really there personally but now that we're at this before the final moment i feel like i kind of can see across it a little bit better and it's i'm understanding that this is the the x office wanted to put together a fun standalone thing that kind of tied into some specific history but it was going to be like an x-men thing that was pick upable by people in mm-hmm. this new world of x-men because if you look in the last like t- eight years of X-Men, 10 years of X-Men, there's not a ton of standalone stuff that you can just pick up, partially because Ben mm-hmm. just had his titles so intertwined, partially because after Secret Word, there was the kind of known main thread. There, there's just not a lot of big X-Men books. And Hox Pox is its own thing. And I, I just yeah. see this as them trying to create something that's self-contained. So a lot of the silliness and a lot of the lack of the character stuff that matters to us in this moment might actually really come off great to all these people that we all personally know who are just going to buy this hardcover, mm. having not read the 12 intervening issues. And it might work for them in ways that it never worked for us. So I kind of am in the same court as Freya of like, I'm really ready to get back to all the stuff that was happening before. And I've kind of just, and and I think I've just come to the realization now in the second to last week, this was never going to be a Hoxpox sequel. This was never yeah. going to give us a lot of rewards. It's just going to give us mm-hmm. a couple more breadcrumbs. And I think that maybe my expectation was just too high because of it following Hoxpox, but also because of how well Hickman did with Infinity on his Avengers run. But that was an all Hickman event. And if there's one thing that really works here is that the authors have done a really good job of of all holding the line. I don't think that any one author here was a weak spot. We've had plenty of authors who I personally don't really like turn in great issues. We've had plenty of artists who are not my favorite artists turn in great issues.
great issues. And like, if we have a good self-contained story and the writers formed a gestalt and the art formed a gestalt, how low can we grade that really? even if it was disappointing to work week to week. So that that's where I am on this. I'm trying to find the joy. And I think the joy is this is actually going to be a fun thing to hand to people who just want to have fun with X-Men a year mm-hmm. or two or five years from now compared to like the hot mess of something like Battle of the Atom or Apocalypse mm-hmm. Wars. <laughs> well, that that is a really fair comment. And, you know, I, I mean, um, we we shall see. Let's let's do a li- let's yeah. do a litmus test. Everyone pass this to some friend who is not an X Men fan and say, read this and tell me and tell me how much you like it or don't like I it. I think it's or- gonna be even if the sword quest felt inconsequential to us in real time. I really think it's gonna be a really fun popcorn read for people mm-hmm. to just pick up who are like, I don't really know X Men. What should I read? To be like, pick up X Swords. But we'll see what happens yeah. next week. So look, that has been a an ultimately pretty supersized issue episode. Yeah. Of our This Week in X covering X of Swords. Next week's another three issues, and they're Hickman Howard issues, so who knows? We might we might need ten episodes to get through the, <laughs> the three issues next week. We might go line by line through the art. I can't I can't even tell you what's gonna happen until we read them. So until then, uh thank you so much to Tyler and Freya because when it comes to reading X-Men, X-Men is what, Freya? X-Men is better when it's read together. That's right. And so we're so happy to be reading it together, the three of us, but also with you. We love your comments so much and you really make this fun for us. I wish you could see our group text and how much fun we have talking to each other about all the stuff that you say too. So whether you're listening on podcasts, whether you're watching on YouTube or some future holographic version of this, thank you so much. And this has been another episode of Crushing Comics. Be well. Thank you. Bye. Bye.